the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Let's Talk Adoption, Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption on this uh, wonderful winter day. And um, we have so much to share with you. Today's a great show that I think will be an interest to many people. Uh, we'd like to remind you that our show is um, each week is broadcast and also recorded. And if you are interested in receiving a copy of this CD, you can in, uh, email us at info at letstalkadoption.com, and we'll send you information regarding that. So we'll have it available if you have friends that would like to find out more about um, our particular topics. And each week we'll bring you adoption professionals, authors, adopted parents, and people that have been touched by adoption. This week we have Karen Higgins. She's an executive director of the Gift of Adoption Fund, and she is joining us to discuss how you can get uh, financial assistance um, for your adoption. So it's a very important topic that we probably get um, I'd say every uh, tenth uh, email we receive in is about financing, funding adoption, how to cut down the cost and make it more affordable to adopt. Welcome to the show, Karen. Well, thank you. Um, tell us, why did you become involved in the adoption field? Uh, what's your past? What's your history? Well, our family is touched by adoption. Um, uh, we have two children uh, that are adopted. I have a daughter, um, Zoe, who is adopted from China. Um, She's nine years old now, and I have a son, um, Nikki, who is adopted from Cambodia. He's seven years old. Wow. And um, adoption was the way that uh, we could form our family. Um, I knew when I was getting married that uh, I, w- I was, had infertility issues that uh, would not be solved. And uh, I, I talked with my husband and said, well, if we're getting married, we're going to adopt. And he said yes, and uh, it's been a it's a very enjoyable ride, the way that we've pulled our family together and um I've been so blessed by adoption. I wanted to share that gift with other people. And I also have experience in uh, managing nonprofits. And so mm-hmm. to be able to marry uh, my professional background with something that's so close to my heart has been uh, an enjoyable experience. That's wonderful. And how did you find the program we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about all different types of financing, but the one program that I was very attracted to was the gift of adoption. How did you come to um, get involved with that program? Uh, a friend of mine was recruiting uh, for a Gift of Adoption Fund uh, their first executive director. Um, he knew I had been touched by adoption and uh, had asked if I might be interested in it. Um, wasn't looking to leave the job I was in, but um, I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm kind of curious. I, I want to find out about it. And, um, uh, and so I started interviewing, and it, it took a while for both me and, and the founders to decide that this was the right thing at the right time, and um, um, I was uh, asked to be executive director over two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the founders are um, Jean and Lucy Wyka, and they live out of Port Washington, mm-hmm. out, of, um, out of Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. they had started a private foundation and, and really wanted, knew that uh, their private foundation could only go so far, and so they decided to be to incorporate as a public charity and, mm-hmm. and develop a way that throughout the country people could um, join forces to raise funds to help people with, with adoption. And my job was is and was originally when I came to the fund to help develop um, the fund into uh, a national presence. Mm-hmm. And they help the, the gift of adoption, um, and 
we're going to be giving your website out in just a moment, uh, has a great um, brochure. The brochure is very impressive. I was really uh, very nice. It explains a lot. Um, and it, it introduces the, um, the program to people. And also you have chapters all over the United States in different areas, and we'll talk about that too. Um, why did the, the founders start this? How were they touched? Why did they have find this and, and decide instead of um, you know supporting you know save the yacht club or something? What, what did they? What did, was their purpose? Well, they're special people. I mean, I, I they um, were adopting their first. child. They've adopted three children, and mm-hmm. they were adopting their first child, and uh, ended up staying in the country that they were adopting him from uh, for three months. And they saw couples that really had to go home because they didn't have enough resources to, to hang in there in the country. And, um, and they were very touched by that and felt that if they had the opportunity, they would like to somehow help those families. And mm-hmm. um, they were a family that had their own business, and it, and it did quite well. And at one point, uh, the founder decided to sell the business and... In selling the business, he wanted to apply his business skills in helping develop something like Gift of Adoption Fund and uh, invested some of his own money into it to get it started. So it, it came from their heart, too. And, uh, you know, yes, they could choose to be members of a yacht club and mm-hmm. do whatever with their resources but instead and their time. And, mm-hmm. and instead, um, they made a decision to, to, to develop the Gift of Adoption Fund. And it was filling a big void out there. Um, in terms of uh, couples needing help with that last amount to be able to to adopt, it was. I think it's great, and I can tell by the, in the information, the brochure, um, that there is a lot of thought put back into this because we do research a lot of funding sources, and many of them come and go because they don't have the professional management behind them. And that's important to, to people listening that are working with it because you want someone that is going to be there for you, and especially if you're in another country or you're adopting, um, and we're going to talk about the type of adoptions you support, but I think it's important to know that there's stability behind the organization you're working with. Um, And and so I I applaud them for that, too. Um, There are many different fees involved with the adoption process, and the average adoption can vary. What do you find is the average adoption cost, and to what level can the fund assist families with those costs, you know, what type of adoptions do they have? I always say um, the average cost is around $20,000. I mean, it can range from nothing because they, they, uh, they uh, uh, are able to find a child in the foster care system and they live in a state that helps um, with the cost of that mm-hmm. child going from foster care to adoption to over $35,000 mm-hmm. um, uh, for some international adoptions and even some domestic adoptions where um, we don't question what the you know, as a as a family comes to us to adopt, we don't question what the cost of the adoption is going to be. Basically, our premise is we want to know how this person is, our family is, working to pull the resources together. Mm-hmm. And our commitment is, and this is a basic premise that uh, the founders uh, started the fund with and we still stand by, that we want to be committed to the tail end of costs. And so mm-hmm. our grants range from two to $5,000. Okay. Um, and some people say, is that enough? And we've found that it really has made a difference, um, especially for couples that are anyone adopting, that as they come to the end, there's some unexpected costs that come up mm-hmm. that they just haven't been able to cover, and they've tapped out mm-hmm. all their resources. Mm-hmm. And it's us that are there to help um, uh, bridge that gap mm-hmm. so that they can... They can finalize the adoption. 
do you suggest people, I know that I do, and I, I'm, I'm curious to get your um, input on this too, um, families go into debt when they adopt. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's hard when you do that. Um, I know when we adopted, it was just financially taxing uh, and very, very expensive. And we, we really had to get very creative in, in other jobs, second jobs, third jobs, to pay for everything. Are there ways to, um, to, that you can suggest to people that they can not go in debt, or is that something you think is okay? Um, we want them to be fiscally prudent, but uh, we have a hard time with people that come to us and say, I don't want to go into debt, because mm-hmm. we have a basic premise for anybody that we're funding at this point that they mm-hmm. are going into debt to adopt, mm-hmm. that they are borrowing against their tax shelter annuity, that they mm-hmm. are, you know, that they're taking out a home equity loan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're doing they're making it in some a commitment way. to this. They're making a commitment. If you're going to put in, you're making a commitment. They're making a commitment. That right. We yeah, all I want to come that. to the table with commitments, and we want to see a substantial commitment mm-hmm. from the person that is coming to us to 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 get a grant. Because, frankly, we have limited resources, and so mm-hmm. we have to be prudent in who we invest in, sure. and we want to make sure those dollars are going towards an adoption that's going to happen. I think that's important. I think what I'm thinking is is people that go out and borrow, and they don't know how they're going to repay it. And I don't like them going that type of debt. But if it's going to be, if they're going to borrow against a sports car, which we had people do instead of adoption, I think that's you know silly. This is probably the most important investment you'll ever make. Um, but I know some people come to us and they really they've got a stay-at-home mom with maybe some other children, and they've got one income, and it's really really tight, and they may have tapped out their whole um, equity in their home already with the other previous adoptions. Well, at those, we're slow to say yes to. I mean, we're not foolish. I yeah. mean, if we're looking at a financial picture that um, we're going, how are they going to be able to do this even with our help? Yes. yes. Or is this going to um, push them over the edge? Mm-hmm. We don't want to, We don't want to invest in that. Yeah, so, I, just, I just think it's hard to raise a child when you've got all that stress. But if right. it's just a matter of making another payment on I know, equity loan, you would have used to put in a pool or remodel your house or get a car or go on a vacation. Um, I think that people should, you know, because this is important. And I think a lot of times uh, families, when they first come, they don't expect um, expenses, but they don't realize that there's, you know, expenses with uh, attorneys and agencies, home studies, and finding birth moms and screening them and traveling and, and um, forms and, and court costs um, that are really just normal with anything else. Um, we, just, we just purchased a, a piece of property, and, gee, all the expenses involved in the loans and, and that type of thing right. is amazing. And I thought, um, you know, people don't blink an eye at that, and, and that home won't last forever as a child and your adoption will. Um, so I think that's really good. Let's get into a little bit about um, you specialize with families pursuing um, international or domestic, or it really doesn't matter? Both. Both. Oh, great. So you help if someone's going to do it. And, and, um, and that's a unique niche of ours. We mm-hmm. don't have, um, you know... You know, we we don't have a bias of whether we will support international or domestic. We don't have a, a, a political bias in terms of you have to be associated with a certain church or you have to be mm-hmm. associated with a certain agency. Um, you can be single, you're married. Um, you know, we as long as people have an approved home study, mm-hmm. can verify financial need and have a pr- prudent way of approaching what their financial need is in terms of how they're coming up with their own resources for the adoption, mm-hmm. and they have a compelling story of why they're pursuing this particular child, mm-hmm. we're willing to consider them. That's great. So basically, they have to have a financial need also, I think, yeah. is important, because other, yeah. without that grant, that even two to $5,000, you're right, we can really make a big difference. And I think with every adoption, as you mentioned earlier, Karen, is that um, every adoption does have additional expenses we did not expect. 
Right. Whether it's staying longer in a country or additional expenses for some legal type um, um, work. And I think a lot of people, we, we feel like we can just put everything in a box. And um, very often, they, those expenses are going to be there afterwards. Um, and they may be small, they may be irritations, and sometimes they can be larger. Right. Um, and so I think that that's it's nice to hear someone else confirming that because um, I think a lot of times people blame their adoption professional and say, oh, I didn't expect to have to do this. But, you know, if the, if the birth mother was in labor and then labor stopped, <laughs> you, were at a, you were there already, um, sometimes that happens too. Um, when you, how many families do you uh, help per year? Does it vary or does it amount vary? Well, um, you've got to remember we are, we've only been in existence as a public charity for two and a half years. Our first, mm-hmm. as a, overall, since 1996, we've given over, well, now it's up, up to 200 grants. Mm-hmm. Um, in, two years ago, we gave 25. A year ago, we gave 50. And now we're positioning ourselves to give 100 wow. over the course of a year. Um, we are really working hard to grow the fund so we can help more kids and families. That's, that's our ultimate goal. Who, who funds you? How do you get your funding? Um, uh, we are, are funded through um, uh, basically individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, Private investors and that type of thing or uh, donors. Right. Yeah. Right. We're going to take a quick break here and we come back. We're going to talk about more information about funding your adoption, finding resources for your adoption. We'll be right back after this quick message. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dora Bush. You're listening to Voice America, America's Voice. Are you feeling overwhelmed in your daily life? Unfulfilled in your relationships? Unsuccessful in your career? Let's talk about it with marriage and family therapist Patrick L. Healy. Heard live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Patrick and some of today's top professionals will address your most important and pressing personal issues, helping you break down barriers as you discover how to have a happier, more fulfilling life. So if you're looking for real solutions in your life, let's talk about it with marriage and family therapist Patrick L. Healy, Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. 
Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. And also, if you a copy of today's CD, we'll have it on archive in a few weeks, and you can also order a copy by emailing us at info at letstalkadoption.com. We'll give you information on that. Today, we're speaking with Karen Higgins, the Executive Director of A Gift of Adoption Fund, a wonderful program that helps um, fund adoptions, those expenses at the very end of your adoption that really can make or break your adoption. And Karen, before we left, we were discussing a little bit about the type of adoptions you do fund. And do you work with people in other countries? We have a lot of people listening in other countries. Basically, they have to be an American citizen for us to consider giving them a grant. So military families would, would right. qualify. Right. Okay. And um, let's go ahead and give out your website right now. So if anybody would like to visit that website, what is your website? It's very simple, giftofadoption.org. Okay, .org. Okay, giftofadoption.org. And um, you can get more information there about the program, too. Do you um, uh, provide loans as well as grants? No. We, okay. we focus uh, purely on giving out grants. Okay, that's great. So those are not paid back. Right. Um, they're, they're different than a home equity loan or anything. These grants are, are given to you. What's the turnaround time from the time someone applies and, and has noticed that they've been approved for a grant? How long can they expect? 60 days after the end of the month that they've submitted their grant. Okay. So after the end of the month. And, um, and basically there's a form on, on your site that they can fill out? They can apply online. If they don't have access to the Internet, uh, they can uh, call us. Why don't you give your phone number out so they can have that? 877-905-2367. Um, Okay, great. If anybody missed that, you can always email us or to or go to their um, their site, giftofadoption.org. What type of paperwork um, will people need to provide um, to be considered for this, too? Well, basically, they just need to fill out our application. Um, okay. uh, and uh, that asks for the financial information and personal information that we need to assess whether it's a viable grant. If they were on the track to be approved, we would ask backup information, which means uh, their home study and uh, verification of their home study and uh, uh, tax information that verifies uh, what their financial picture looks like. Mm -hmm. um, but to initially be considered, it's, it's taking the time to fill out the application. And you know, it's amazing how many people do not take that time um, to fill that application out. Uh, they can really help them, too. Um, and I don't think it's, you know... Uh, that long, it's, just, it's, it's less than real estate, you know, and I think that people need to, to do that, too, if they really are serious about it. Well, and we, um, people who apply, it does cost $20 to apply, mm -hmm. but you can apply three times. Mm -hmm. um, and usually uh, the people that we fund apply at least twice before they're funded. And that's because we need additional information for them or we need them to be further along in their adoption. Now, we mm. can't personally call everybody that, that we would need more information from, so we send them a questionnaire that they need to, if they want to be considered again, that they send um, a letter back to us. And in that questionnaire, there's the classic things that we usually need uh, additional information from. And mm -hmm. so um, in that way, it's the second or third. If people are tenacious and, mm -hmm. and they apply a second and third time, um, and they give us the information that shows that they're, they're pulling together their own resources and uh, demonstrating uh, that they're getting close to, to the adoption being complete, we, we will seriously consider them. 
Right. I think that's really important with anything. I find that um, um, families need to realize this is like a tennis, um, you know, playing tennis. You, you, you have it that goes back from one court to the other. And I think it's really important that as soon as you get the paperwork, you fill it up and you send it back. And I think we tend to be procrastinators in life yeah. and, and, and put things off for a while, and then all of a sudden they have desperate needs and you don't have the time. Um, but I think it helps to have a detailed person in the house that's willing to do the paperwork. Right, and that could be a husband or a wife or right. a single. It might even be an uh, extended family member. But you, you know, those questionnaires really need to fill out by yourself. Um, there are a lot of personal things in there. But I think in getting organized, I suggest people get Pendaflex files and put all the paperwork in there, put a copy of your home study if you can get that, or, or a request for your home study if, they, if your home study organization will not give you a copy. And then, you know, your birth certificates, all that information in one place that you're going to need for your adoption. And then when you're working on that, pull that file out, pull all that material out of that Pendaflex and start working on it. And uh, anything pending, have a pending file waiting for, you know, backup support um, documentation. But if you've been divorced, you're going to need to have information about your divorce decree um, and just different information that's going to keep coming back to you if you don't get it taken care of right away. So if families really aren't further along, do they have to have a match or they, how far into the adoption should they actually apply? It's helpful to have a match, um, but, you know, it varies from country to country and how, you know, it varies from country to country when the match is going to happen. For some countries, you have to go over there before you're ultimately matched and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, in the process. So, so we have some, uh, you know, we're willing, what we like to see is that you are two-thirds along, whatever country you're working with, that you're about two-thirds along in the process. Mm -hmm. of uh, being able to um, finalize the adoption. So, yeah. And we, 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 we kind of understand the way each of the countries work, and so that gives us some perspective as we're looking at applications. We do get questions in uh, such as this. Um, a family's already adopted. They have, they're still paying off a loan. Would you go back and help with a, a, a adoptions already completed, let's say six months ago, a year ago, but they still have expenses? Would that be even a, a consideration? No, in general, we would not. Um, we're really about making finalizing the cost of a current adoption. Sure, and that makes sense too. I totally, completely understand that. Any other decision-making criteria used to for grant recipients at all, other than you know the desire to adopt? They've got their paperwork. You know, they they stay on top of if they have a desire, and they put in some of their own funding. Anything else that? No, I mean we have a special place in our heart for people struggling with infertility. We have a special place in our heart for um, special needs children, um, mm -hmm. sibling groups. Um, uh, and, and, again, we tell people take all the time in the world to write your story or have yes. somebody help you write your story mm -hmm. in a way that's compelling, that, um, that says, you know, wh why you're being led down this path to adopt. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is really important because um, I find that um, the ones that make us cry, we can't help it. You know, fund. I think it's really difficult when um, when you have just uh, we want to adopt because we think it'd be great, you know, um, or I want a sibling for my child. I mean, they've got to really be a reason behind the whole thing, and I think right. people forget that that you have human beings reading these, and if it's between um, you know two or three other families than yours, you want yours to stand out. Right. And I think that's instead of just filling the application out and today, you probably need to sit on it for what a few days or a week or and, and write it slowly and, and do an outline. Yeah, take your time to, 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 to write about who you are and, and, and what's led you to this place to apply and, um, and why you are pursuing this particular
particular child. Yeah. And because um, uh, it is helpful for us to have some depth about what uh, makes up your sense of family and 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 how you're approaching the adoption. Yeah. Why would a family be turned down? Funding because they've already had enough. They have enough expenses. Well. You know, one, uh, if we look at their financial resources and we see that they can still take out a home equity loan to complete mm -hmm. the adoption, uh, we're going to be less likely to look at that person than we're going to look at another person that's tapped out their home equity and really is. But you still see they've done it in a prudent way, but that they've, they've you know, they, they have tapped all doors. And this yeah. is how it's coming together, and yet they've had some unexpected costs. We're going to lean towards that second person than the first person. Yeah. Um, we want to see the doors you've opened to try to come up with a, all the resources that you have to make the adoption happen. Mm -hmm. That's going to lean us in a positive way towards you. Um, so if we see that as we I have a very good grants administrator. She's the one that does the screening for the National Committee. And mm -hmm. she you know, is able to do the math and see how you've used the resources that you have to advance towards that adoption. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is if you're coming to us and you haven't got your home study completed, of course, you're in the know because yeah. we, we clearly say we need a completed home study. Mm -hmm. We also need to see that there's progress made. Again, we're at the two-thirds point, not at the first third of the point of the process of adopting. Mm -hmm. and, you know, as much as you can measure, you can't always measure where this is going. In domestic adoptions, it gets harder to measure where that's going to go. Yeah, because it's something um, you get a phone call overnight. Right, right. Now, you know, and, and we do allow for emergency situations where, you know, if somebody has applied and um, they don't know the timing and then all of a sudden they have a baby at their door, you know, they're encouraged to call us and say, I've applied, but this mm -hmm. is, these are the circumstances that are happening and I need you to consider it as soon as possible. Right. That's great, too, to know that you have that flexibility in, in yeah. emergency cases in, in emergency cases only, too. What, any particular story that has moved you that you can share with us, anything since you've been working, you know? Oh, it's so hard to pick, I have <laughs> to say. We go through grant meetings and after the, you know, once a month, and when we come out of them, we just, uh, uh, you know, we come out always exhausted because it just hearing what the need is and the kinds of kids that are out there that need families, and mm -hmm. wow. Um, I would say one comes to mind of a dwarf family. They were little people that um, wanted to adopt. They knew biologically they couldn't have children. I guess they had attempted, but it, it, it didn't look like it was going to be feasible for them. Mm -hmm. And um, so they wanted to see if they could adopt a dwarf uh, child. Mm -hmm. And um, they ultimately identified one in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, if this child had stayed in Russia, mm -hmm. uh, you know, her her days would have been numbered. Um, wow. But uh, they were able to bring her home, and um, she lives in a home that has been adapted for little people. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and she has parents that are very aware of what it's going to take to deal with her physical issues mm -hmm. and also what it's going to take for her ultimately to uh, be able to, uh, uh, you know, grow up. And yeah. uh, that is a cool thing to me. I mean, and this that is a couple great. that could not take out a home equity loan on their house mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it was designed for little people. Mm -hmm. And so you look at that situation and you go, oh, yeah, this does make total sense. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to have a harder time finding loans out there, secured loans. Um, and, and they, you know, they were people who were very uh, uh, fiscally prudent and, and, and did all the right things. It's just like it warmed our hearts that we were able to help that child become a part of their family. That is a wonderful story, Karen. Uh, 
excellent story about how your program has helped in fundraising. What other things can people do to help their own fundraising is what we're going to discuss right after this break. And we come back with Karen and from giftofadoption.org. So stay tuned. Don't touch that mouse. We've got more to share with you after this message. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. I'm Marty Caldwell. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Business. Sports. Religion. Legal. Pets. Entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, today we are speaking with um, Karen Higgins, Executive Director of the Gift of Adoption Fund, um, about fundraising and about uh, funding your adoption and finding resources out there. And before we left, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Karen, um, and I know that I have a big chapter in my book, AdoptingOnline.com about fundraising and suggested ideas, but I always like to speak to other people. And since you've been involved with this, what can people do um, prior to applying or why they're applying to help fund their adoption? What kind of things do you suggest that they do? Well, I, I think you start first with your own agency and ask what resources are available through your own agency or what are they aware of. Um, and if you've, you know, and, and they will tell you. And because um, that can be a beginning point, um, I think going online um, 
and, you know, doing a Google search and, mm-hmm. and just looking because every person, you know, they may belong to a specific church body that's willing to consider um, helping them with the cost of adoption mm-hmm. and uh, that another couple or person would not be eligible for. And so it's being very tenacious about how you use the Internet to look at what resources are out there. Um, I, you know, I think you, you take a look at your own internal resources of what you can work with. I, I borrowed against my own tax-sheltered annuity and was able to pay myself back with the interest, which was mm-hmm. really nice. Um, I think talk to your family and friends. I mean, people are very... I, I was surprised when our first adoption happened how the world opened up to us in mm-hmm. terms of being very supportive. I, I, I guess this happens with biological births, but I, 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 I just... I, I, it was very touching to me. And, and mm-hmm. people, when they know your story and what you're struggling with to make it happen, you'll be surprised how uh, there will be surprises of support that can come through. It's amazing. I know that i give you some suggestions and some of our listeners. The things that I've written about and I've got more is that um, I've really tried to help a lot of people that just have zero resources when they're starting out. Um, and when I say that, they have, they're on a limited income. Is eBaying, you know, selling items on yeah. eBay. I've met people yeah. that sell things on eBay. Um, I've had a couple adopted moms. We helped them put together um, uh, tag sales or garage sales or, or um, patio sales. Um, and what they've done is um, one lady in particular, we helped her. She put a sign that says, um, adoption, our adoption, fund our adoption garage sale. Well, she had people dropping things off and asking about it and saying, well, gosh, my niece is pregnant. Or uh, it was really, she said it very, very interesting. She had people coming and dropping things off and said, here's a crib. I'm not going to use it, so if you can use it, just keep it. And um, they made a tremendous amount of money. I know other people that have made twelve, fifteen hundred dollars on online auctions sure. every single month, um, selling things they don't want. And then others have done a spaghetti feed with their church or synagogue, um, setting that up, doing a fundraiser through that, uh, getting the kids. If you have other children uh, in the family involved, you know, I think of his help too, uh, where they actually can decide what toys they want to sell. They want to do a bake sale. They want to do a car wash. They want to do pet sitting. They want to they want to tithe some of their income, maybe from another job or their allowance, toward the baby fund um, to help baby come home, you know, brother, sister come home. And I think all of this brings the family closer. Um, I know one suggestion, as you mentioned too, Karen, is to go to family and say, you know, we're going to do an adoption, um, you know, this next year. And instead of Christmas gifts, we would love it if you could just um, right. you know, donate something toward our expenses in that adoption. And I know that many times if they work through organizations that have donations that they can get a tax write-off too. So there are many creative ways that people can do that prior to it. And I've encouraged people to take, before you have kids, take on another job. Uh, I had two and three jobs I was working when we, we wanted, wanted to adopt our son because I felt like at this time I had nobody at home and I really needed to put the, the time and the money in to save up. And uh, that's when you can double-duty it and take those well, extra jobs. And that tips it in, 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 on behalf of the applicant scales. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it tips it for us mm-hmm. when we see that people are taking on second or third jobs to um, help mm-hmm. uh, pull the resources together. Now, that's easier to do before you have children. Right. Um, uh, you know, as you're trying to adopt, but, but to just show that tenaciousness right. um, of, uh, that this is going to happen. That's what you have to do is you have to on faith say you want to adopt. Um, and then you've got to take the steps to make that faith uh, work for you. We had a family just recently that actually sold their car. He lives, he's a teacher, and he takes a bicycle to school. Now, he's not in an area that has heavy snow or anything, but he did that so he could have that money from the car and no payment 
um, and put that toward the adoption. Mm-hmm. That was a real dedication for us to see because I think that's important for people to say, this is crucial. This child's going to be with you forever. Right. And um, when I hear people saying, well, I want to pay off my car first or whatever, you know, trade the car in. It's not going to matter in 10 years. Right. And, and, and I always ask, my kids always hate that line, is, is it going to matter in 10 years? And whatever you're facing, if it's not going to matter and it's not going to be important in 10 years, then forget it. But I think with adoption, you've got to really see how dedicated you are. And if you see a stumbling block in that area, I find a lot of times that maybe one spouse does not want to adopt. Um, they're not ready, but they don't know how to say, I'm not ready. I'm, I'd rather have the red sports car, <laughs> you know. And the same thing with vacations. But there's so many creative things people can do to fund uh, their adoption besides your program. So you can help because your adoption is going to, your funding and your grant is only going to help a portion, like you said. You really want to see people are in there as an equal, you know, you're on, you're on a rowboat and you're both rowing, you know. Right. And I think that's important, too. Um, the other thing people should need to remember is the adoption tax credit. Um, yes. It, see if they're eligible for it. They won't mm-hmm. get it before the adoption is finalized, but it's something to think about and, as additional resources that will come in after the adoption is finalized. And that's $10,000, which is great. And the other resource, uh, there are a lot of employers right now. I'm always amazed at the emails I get from people that say, you know, after I told them, go check with your employer. And they'll say, well, my employer is really tiny. Go check with them anyway and come back and say, I didn't know it was hidden. No one knew about it because no one in my company has ever adopted, but they give $3,000 or 1000 right. or $5,000 to help. And I've had couples that have actually funded almost their entire adoption with between the husband and the wife's um, income, uh, I mean employment, through their employer's um, contributions, which I think is really great. Um, you're right. There's a lot of ways that people can fund their adoption and find resources afterwards, and there's... Um, time they can take off, too, uh, afterwards to help really with the bonding. You have four chapters, uh, you know, different Actually, chapters. Actually, we have six chapters. Six now, wow. Yes. So tell us where these six are and how do they work and do people have to work within a particular chapter or to, to get funding? No, no. Uh, we have chapters um, in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. One in Wisconsin. We have two in Florida, one in the Tampa area and one in the um, South Florida area, Miami mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. We've got one in the Twin Cities area of uh, Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and we've got one in Illinois. And we've got one in the Portland, Oregon area. Okay. Um, so uh, those are the ones that are now um, incorporated and um, actively in the mode of raising funds for the fund. Mm-hmm. Um, they raise money for their particular area, although we ask them to have a, a, a broad sense of who they're willing to fund because we're not represented all over the country at this point. Mm-hmm. We also do fundraising from a national perspective so we can cover the whole country. So an applicant has as much chance if they come from Wisconsin as they do where we're not covered. Right now we don't have uh, coverage in California. We don't mm-hmm. a lot of uh, East Coast. Um, but um, everybody, in fact, we screen grants not based on geographic, uh, uh, on where they live. We screen mm-hmm. grants according to our criteria. After they've made it to the National Screening Committee and we've mm-hmm. said, yes, we want to fund them, then we look at where they live to be able to go ahead and forward them on to the appropriate chapter or to look at it from a national perspective. So you have quite a few people that are working. Is there an office at each of these chapters, or is there someone we that works? Uh, all the chapters are volunteer-driven. Um, okay. I have, I'm very grateful for people who are willing to volunteer for us um, uh, because it, 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 it's, it's really driven on their energy energy as they gather volunteers together to help sponsor fundraisers on our behalf. Um, what they get is the support from the national office, which is out of Port Washington, Wisconsin. We have four staff people there, including me, 
that are, are basically the backup crew for the chapters um, in terms of helping them get started, providing them materials, doing the grant selection process. Um, you know, it may be at some point down the line we get big enough that we can have um, staff in, you know, in particular chapters that are raising a certain amount of money. But right now, it really takes a dedic dedicated crew of volunteers that are willing mm -hmm. to pull it together for us. Yeah, and that's really important too. Let's go ahead and give your website out one more time before we um, we finish up um, our questions. But uh, what's your website again? Our website is giftofadoption.org. That's great. And if people want to call you. Um, let's go ahead and give out your 800 number again, too. Okay, it's 877-905-2367. Okay, and for international people that are uh, U.S. citizens, like our military families that listen in, um, what would be a, um, a good way for them to contact you, just through the website the same way? Yeah, yeah, it's to go through the website um, or uh, query, they can do a query info at giftofadoption.org, and uh, we'll email them back. Okay, and so they get that information, too, and that's super Karen, this time has been gone by so very quickly, and um, I really appreciate all you've participated, given to us, um, in the information here about your program. And it is very unique, and it's very well done. And, and uh, give a big hug to your founders because they've done a great job. And I, I will. You're doing will. so much for um, so many people, and I really appreciate you being on our program today. And I hope that um, people will look into uh, giftofadoption.org because it is a very worthwhile organization helping a lot of people bring children home into homes from all over the world, including the U.S. and other countries. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Karen. And we're going to be taking a quick break here. And when we go back um, from break, we're going to come back with uh, Luann, and we're going to take your questions from the adoption mailbag. Today we have quite a few of them. And remember, if anybody's interested in the CD today of our program, our interview with Karen regarding um, adoption funding, you'd like to get a copy for a friend, or you'd like to have a permanent copy of this program, you can email us at info at letstalkadoption.com. And we'd be happy to go ahead and send you a copy of that. Um, there'll be a small fee for it, but do send us um, an email. If you have questions for our mailbag, um, be sure to send those also to us. And you can find out more about um, programming at our website, uh, letstalkadoption.com. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll have our adoption mailbag. Don't touch that mouse. Be right back. The world together. You're listening to America's Voice, VoiceAmerica.com. Lifetime adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi open adoptions. Lifetime adoption has a 24 hour, seven day a week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dr. Peter Terms. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com 
Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. Stay on top of the latest developments which may affect your physical, emotional, and spiritual condition with Update on Health with Dr. Peter C. Tams every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Learn how some simple measures can reduce your chance of getting cancer by as much as 70%. Find out what you can do to combat obesity, diabetes type 2, high cholesterol, and more. It's all about vitality, fitness, endurance, and longevity. Listen to Update on Health every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Welcome back. We're ready for our um, information on our next week's show and also the adoption mailbag that we get in every week. Lots of questions from you. Please send them in. We appreciate your questions. They help everybody. And uh, Luann, are you with us? I am here, Marty. I I wanted to see if you could share with us who is going to be on our show next week. Next week, it's going to be Dr. George Rogu from the Adoption Doctors. He joins us to explain how important pre-adoption medical records and videos are for international adoptions. Great. Wonderful. And that's really important, too. So I think anybody interested in international adoption and just adoption in general would be um, uh, interested in this program, too. Thank you so much. Luann, I know we have a lot of adoption questions coming in today. What do you have for us in the adoption mailbag? Okay, our first question is from Carrie in Florida. She asks, what do you think a birth mother looks for most in a profile? Um, Carrie, I think um, the birth moms I've spoken to in the last 18-plus uh, years, the women that I've spoken to really want honesty. They want to know who you are. Um, many times people try to put their best foot forward, put their china out and everything, and that's not always real. I think you need to be real. Um, if you are a stay-at-home family that likes to cuddle up and have popcorn and watch a movie every Friday night or Saturday night, you need to put that down. Um, if you um, love horses or um, you know you love doing a certain um, particular sport, I think it's important to put down. But be yourself and not try to um, be something you're not. And the reason why is it'll come out eventually. Give you an example: we had a family that put down that he was in um, the food industry. Well, he worked at McDonald's. It would have been better to say that he works in fast food, and, and not that working at McDonald's is bad. But the birth mother thought he worked in management in the large restaurant industry, and their resume led her to believe that, and she changed her mind in the hospital and said, I don't want this family, and selected another one. So these kind of things are really important. The same thing with um, uh, how long you've been married. Um, you know, you need to be honest about that. And um, I think a good adoption professional will help you, guide you through this whole program. And, again, my I have a large seg- section in my book, adoptingonline.com, that talks about what to put in there, what not to put in your resume. 
Um, you don't want to go through details of all the CCs of infertility drug you've taken to get pregnant. Those are things you don't want to put in there. But you do want to mention you've gone through some infertility uh, issues, uh, again, so that she can understand why you're seeking adoption at this time. Or that you'd like to add to your family because you have lots of love to share and you already have three or four biological children or children that are grown. So there's lots of answers to that one um, question, but I think honesty is the number one that uh, birth moms are looking for. They want to know who you are, and um, and good photographs, too, will help. So I hope that helps you, Carrie. Okay, our next question is from Martha in New Jersey. She asks, how can I go about getting a referral to adoption agencies that do international adoptions? Martha, again, uh, this is a... Um, a We've had a lot of guests on our show that have done international adoption. We try to select the ones that we feel have the best reputation. And um, though we can't guarantee anything, I think it's important to go back to our site, to the Let's Talk Adoption site, and look over the guests we've had on there, and there'll be links over to their site. You can uh, Google their um, uh, their company name. The other thing would be to contact other organizations um, that do um, adoption support, uh, maybe in referral groups, and find out who they recommend. But whomever you end up going with or investigating, and I would suggest looking into three adoption professionals, is always get references. Um, pay attention to if they answer the phone themselves, if they're there after hours, how many trips overseas do they go to, um, to, to pick children, and how long they've been doing it, and if they have any complaints. Make sure their licensing are all up to, um, to speed, and, um, and why they're involved with adoption. Maybe the director is, um, or the founder has been involved with adoption. That's really important. If they've adopted from that particular country, too, uh, you want someone that has a good reputation with um, the country you're going to be adopting from. So if you're looking at China, you want someone that does Chinese adoptions. That's really important from China. Um, if you're doing someone from Guatemala, they've got to have a good rapport with, um, from, from Guatemala. So I think that will help you quite a bit. I wouldn't rush in right away. I would get the information. I really preferably think about who you go with before you jump in and, um, and, and send any money to anybody. So I hope that helps you, Martha. Okay, our next question is from Heidi in Canada. She asks, why are some states in the United States surprised at our interest in adopting one of their children? Okay, and I know there is probably emphasized on that. I think what happens, Heidi, um, is that um, when uh, U.S. citizens um, think of uh, international adoption, they think that there's children all over the place in other countries that need homes, and why would um, maybe a Canadian family want to come into the United States and adopt a U.S. child, and many families here or people in the U.S. feel that we have a shortage of, of children, which is really not true. There are many children to adopt, um, from newborns and older children, sibling groups. Um, but I think what happens is you've got to have the determination to do it, and those are the people that succeed, and they've got to be with the right resources and willing to be coachable, which means if, if your adoption professional tells you you need to do X, Y, and Z, they need to do that. And I think what happens with international is that um, there are limited resources in Canada, and we get lots of resources um, and people coming in, um, I should say, from Canada asking to adopt U.S. Um, babies, as we do with all different countries wanting to adopt. And I think the surprise just comes that they don't know how Canada's adoption program is set up, and they're surprised at that part. So I would not let that deter you. I think that um, you should resource um, and work with as many resources in the U.S. as you possibly can uh, within your means and that will work with you successfully. But be sure they have worked successfully with Canadian um, families because you don't want to put money out and find out that you're not going to be successful if they haven't done that. So I hope that helps you, Heidi. 
Okay, our next question is from Kevin and Colleen. It's another profile question, okay. uh, very similar to the first one. What is the most important thing a hopeful adoptive parent should remember when creating a family profile? I think, uh, just as I mentioned to Carrie, the honesty is really important, and I think just to make sure that you spend plenty of time and a checkoff list. Again, um, I, I hate to keep going back, but I really, that's the reason I wrote the book, AdoptingOnline.com, was because so much of this is in there on what to check off list, what to include, not to include. And um, I think the, the honesty and being who you are is really important. And then following through, I find that um, we tend to be procrastinators, many of us in life just in general, and uh, we put off things we need to do. Um, but this is really important, and none of us are getting any younger. So I would say start soon. Start doing an outline of your interests, your hobbies, um, the things you do on the weekends that you might take for granted. If you have dinner at Grandma's house every Sunday after church or um, uh, do a particular event every year at the holiday time, it's very important to put that down. So there can be a lot of very unique things that, um, that can help you. Also, other people who have adopted successfully um, can help you too. And um, I hope that helps you. Okay, our next question is from Gregory and Ellen in Illinois. They ask, do you know of any agencies that are helping Iraqi children find adoptive parents? Right now, with everything going on, it's very, very difficult, and um, uh, there, are not, there are not any programs set up at this time, at this airing, um, that will help at this point. Many of the children from the recent disaster are still trying to determine whether or not they are orphans or they have family. Um, and then as far as um, Iraqi children, most of them are going to want to keep the children in uh, their country adopted within that country. So it's very difficult for um, somebody here in Illinois to adopt a child uh, from that country at this point. So I would encourage you to look at Russia and China and, and Mexico, uh, Florida, Guatemala, and different um, other programs available if you'd like to adopt a child that's waiting because there are so many of different ages that are waiting for families. So I hope that helps you, Gregory and Ellen. I think we have time for one more. Okay, our next question is from Angela in Oregon. She asks, are there any special classes you need to take to become an adoption professional? Angela, great question. We get a lot of this um, questions similar to this. And um, I would suggest if you're interested in working in adoption that you, you volunteer at the very beginning. Um, um, and I'll talk about educational requirements. But um, with different organizations, that can be with an attorney. It can be with an agency. It can be with a facilitator. It can be with a nonprofit or a support group. And what you want to do is to get in and be able to understand adoption, the proper terminology, um, and find out what's involved with it. And you need to determine what area you'd like to work in. Um, if you want to be a social worker, definitely in college they'll be able to help you because you'll need to take certain classes to be able to become a social worker. Um, anything with um, family life, um, psychological classes, uh, classes on psychology, uh, the family and children, child development, um, the program that you get into is going to really be drawn into um, the type of um, you know, profession you want to get into at the very end. If you want to be a lawyer, you're going to go into a totally different um, field, too. Um, so it really depends on where you want to go and what you see your end use. If you're going to be working with children or adoptive parents or adopt uh, birth mothers or birth parents or in the legal field, paralegal attorney, um, that type of thing. Um, so um, I would say the best thing you can do is speak to uh, adoption professionals in the areas that you feel you're interested in and find out what kind of education they had um, to get to where they are at this point and realize that they're older, um, some of the requirements have changed slightly. So um, that's where I would start and find out from your college or the college you're interested in going to what programs they offer to you to make sure that they are within your, um, um, your field that you want to get into. And if not, you may have to look elsewhere, too. So I hope that helps you, Angela, and um, let us know how that works out. 
So, Luann, I think that's it for today's uh, mailbag. I want to thank you for so much for your help and assistance in that. Um, I'd like to remind you our show is broadcast every Tuesday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific, and then at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern. Our program and guest information is listed on our site at letstalkadoption.com. Sign up for our free newsletter, too. Thank you for joining us during this last hour. I hope you found us to be informative. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell with Let's Talk Adoption. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Tune in again next Tuesday right here on voiceamerica.com.